0: Boy, the music pickers have hit it on the head with every song today. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, as we approach your scripture this morning, Lord, I ask that you would put me behind your cross, that your words and your thoughts would be mine. And Lord, if I misspeak today, forgive me and let your message be heard. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in my memories on Facebook this morning I had a, a little meme pop up that said, "You know what I'd like to see go viral? Decency. Human decency." I thought that was pretty amazing that decency is the title of our sermon today. I don't know about y'all, but I hate it when people honk at me. How many of y'all love to be honked at? Yeah. It uh, depends. Okay, I've never been honked at like that. (laughs) But I don't like it. I don't like to be honked at. I think it's rude and obnoxious, especially when they lay on the horn for a long period of time. Now, on occasion, when someone has stopped at the light in front of me and they don't go because they're texting and I've had about four cars pass, I might give them a courtesy tap just to let them know that traffic is moving, something like that. Or if I get cut off in traffic, I might give them a little courtesy beep or do this. <laughs> but I don't like to be honked at. Some years ago, I was attempting to park in this crowded parking lot. And For the record, I think that spaces are getting smaller in the parking lots because they're trying to get more in there. But I was in a bad angle in the truck, and so I was kind of you know, backing up a little bit to get straight in there. And this dude laid on his horn, obnoxiously at me, like for a long period of time, wanting me to get out of his way. So then, going inside the store, shopping around, do my thing, get back to the register to go out, and lo and behold, who am I in front of in the line? And he's still very impatient. Donnie, being the helper that he is, turned around and said, oh, you're the honking guy. Why don't you go ahead of me? You know, in cases like that, sarcasm really isn't helpful, is it? That was long before Preacher Donnie. That was probably Bluebell or Tom Thumb Donnie. It would have been better if I'd let the issue go while we were still in the parking lot, wouldn't it? Just let it go and forgotten it. Being decent means that we don't make things worse. I think Jesus' text today is really about being decent people. Our sermon text today is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather... Let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander Together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. In a title of today's sermon, decency. So decency is defined as behavior that is moral, modest, or socially acceptable. Wearing appropriate or tasteful clothing is also an example of decency. Not making things worse is decency. Doing no harm, we've heard that in the Methodist Church, right? Doing no harm is decency. So just like last week, Paul continues to lay out for us this week the kind of life that a person must live when they enter into the fellowship of the church and become a Christian. Paul says we have to put off our old self. And for decency's sake, there are things that have to be permanently removed. Here we go. There's to be no more lying. Because truth requires an intentional effort. That includes lies of omission or things unsaid. It may be that by not telling the whole truth that we give approval to something that we know is not right. Common decency tells us that this is wrong. We have to be in control of our anger. There is a, there is a healthy degree of anger for a Christian. But simply a bad temper or being irritable is not okay. Okay. But anger against injustice and hatred and oppression is necessary. There, there were times when Jesus was angry. Remember when the scribes and the Pharisees were watching to see if he would heal the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day? And he was angry about that. He wasn't angry that they, that they were, were limiting Jesus to what he could do. He was angry because they were allowing a fellow human to suffer because of their orthodoxy. There was no no wiggle room for them. He was also angry when he drove the money changers from the temple. See, anger that is selfish or uncontrolled is sinful. But selfless anger in service to God is biblical. When we were talking to the kids this morning about how do you respond to someone trash-talking another kid? That's biblical anger, to write something that's wrong. Paul says we must never let the sun go down on our anger. One ancient custom was if you had a dispute with somebody during the day, before the sun went down, you shook their hand and you hugged their neck and you kissed them and you made it right. You see, the, the longer that we postpone mending these fences the likelihood is that we'll never mend them at all. If the division is left to thrive, the more bitter it grows. We pray for God to give us the grace to take the first step. Somebody somebody has to. Somebody has to move first. That's what we do as Christians. Paul adds, don't make room for the devil. You see, amidst our conflict, the devil can foster division. Churches have been divided over just two people who couldn't agree or wouldn't. Martin Luther believed it meant the people that whisper and talk behind other people's backs. There's a song, and I I should have looked it up between services. Gordon Moat sings a song, and I can't think of what it's called. Maybe Meanwhile Back at the Cross, I don't know. But he talks about the devil is going to tear us apart from the inside. And when we have that division, when we're not in sync with each other and the devil has room to get in, that's what he does. He gets in there and divides and divides and divides until we can't stand each other anymore. Happens to churches every day. In the ancient world, thieving was widespread. And Paul said that a thief must become an honest worker. They must begin to earn their own pay so that they can give back to the poor and the needy. Not only are we supposed to respect the property of others, but we live a life so that we might give back to God's people, our first fruits. It's good for us to recognize the needs of others and be willing to share. Mark chapter 12, verses 42 through 44 says, A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. We're supposed to take care of our neighbor. Paul says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. So in a nutshell, basically stop being so darn negative and hateful and mean-spirited. Speak only goodness, only goodness. The old saying that we might be the only Jesus that someone sees today or hears today, that's true, that's real. So don't mess it up. Paul urges us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. When we act contrary to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it grieves the heart of God. That should worry us. Paul says to put away bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander. Be kind to one another. You See, bitterness is that long-standing resentment, something that we don't allow to go away. And I'm, and I'm as bad as the next person. I, if I get mad at somebody, I can hang on to that for a good long while it's not healthy. We are to avoid loud and insulting language. You know the old saying, if you don't have something good to say, well, that, yes. We're told to be kind to one another. Forgive as God forgave. Treat others as you would like to be treated. That's the golden rule. We are to become imitators of God. We live in love as Jesus loved. We don't talk about things that aren't pleasing to God or things that aren't offering thanksgiving to God. We don't live in disobedience. When we go to the Word of God, we ought to be so consumed with a hunger for the Word that we pray each time we open the Bible up, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to get from it today? Consider the way we talk or what we talk about. Our behavior and our attitude should be consistent. Paul's letters, he addresses some problems that have been, have been reported to him, specifically about quarreling in the church. He then begins to systematically address a series of questions that they've written about. And, and many of the questions, coincidentally, deal with how to behave in church. Now, just I'm just going to throw this out there because... Because I'm a helper. Who has any questions about how to act in church? Just lift your hand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. <laughs> we know how to act in church, don't we? We'd put on our best to be in church. But here it is, folks. Here's the stick. The church doesn't stop at the door there. We're the church. When we leave here, we ought to have that same fragrance that was mentioned in the scripture when we go out those doors, we should have the same fragrance of Jesus Christ on our hearts and on our lips and in our minds to share with the world. We need consistency between here and there. Jesus taught that in difficult situations, Christians are to do no harm. And doing no harm may be applied to any situation. Is what I'm about to say or do, is it, going to be helpful or is it going to hurt someone is it going to do more harm there's a story of a mother who heard her seven-year-old boy in the back room screaming yelling in pain so she runs to the back room And when she gets back there his two-year-old sister has hands full of hair she's pulling and so the mom grabs the hands and takes them loose and puts the baby over and she says it's okay i'm sorry she didn't know that that would hurt you she didn't mean it She didn't know it would hurt you. So the mom goes on about her business. A few minutes later, she hears the two-year-old screaming. She goes back in there and says, what happened? The little boy had a handful of her hair. He said, she knows now. (laughs) He believed in a hair for a hair, didn't he? It's biblical, right? A hair for a hair. The old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth law is the oldest law of record. But it's so misunderstood. It's not created so that you're guaranteed an equal dishing out of what you receive. That's not what it's about. Or, or an overage of dishing out what you received. It's, it's rather, it was created to protect someone for not being over punished. That the punishment should fit the crime. I can't punch you in the face and you kill me. It's not, it's, not, it's not equal. Treating others the way we want to be treated, especially if we want to be treated as God desires, is decency. Rudeness and inconsiderateness and selfishness is bad. One rude, unchristlike remark can unravel hundreds of sermons. And the same with actions, unchrist like actions. We are the church. We are here to worship God, to hear from God, to experience the reality of God, and to be conduits of God's grace. We are here to represent, and we're out there to represent. And how we act matters. And if we don't act with grace and decency... We are certainly not going to attract anybody else into, into the sanctuary, and we have a lot of seats that could be filled. Raja Krishnamoorthy, I'm, I butchered that, I'm sure, wrote, when the norm is decency, other virtues can thrive, integrity, honesty, compassion, kindness, and trust. See, folks, that's our challenge Let's let decency be the standard. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.